were dealing with prostitution, drugs and extortion. I was so shocked I never had AIDS. They used to come in and they used to abuse us daily. Spit on us, call us packies, black bastards. More torment, more torment. On, on top of the torment I've already got. Then I'm gonna kill you. Then I'll kill you. But they can't, but they, where are they? Where are they? I, I understand, yeah. like, where the rage was born. At the time, it was just me and my dad that used to live in the house. I had to clean, cook. My dad used to go out, get drunk, give me a hiding on top of the shit I'm taking. So what do you think I'm going to be? Yeah, I don't have the answer to that. We're all the same. We're all. My guest today, they call him the King of Karachi. His background and what he's done is probably one of the most unique stories you'll hear about. He was an international drug smuggler on how he beat airport security. And it was his, his way of getting around and maneuvering. And then eventually he decided to change his life. I think it was steroids that he was smuggling on top of other things. He'll tell us the story about it. But with that being said, my guest today, Chet Sandu. Chet, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. Okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on. And right, my story. Uh, how do you want me to start this off? Uh, Let's go. So, smuggling. So I saw the whole thing. I mean, it's uh, fascinating, some of the stuff and how you got away with it to yeah. now you run a CBD business. But I want to go all the way back. Let's go all the way okay. back to if you and I were friends you know, your upbringing as a kid all the way to high school. Kind of walk me through who you were prior to you getting into uh, the, the business that you got into. Right. Okay. You're asking a lot of questions here. You're going to break my balls here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's go. Let's go. Uh, right. My lifestyle, my family life was uh, a bit harsh, yeah? A bit harsh. I was a um, Sikh Indian boy. Born in England, uh, racism was like a um, big thing down then, you know. It was like a heavy fucking shit going down. And I had to do what we had to do. Uh, it was all hard work. My school was all hard work. Uh, there was no money involved. Second-hand clothes I used to wear. Stutter I had. Stutter I still have. And... But I just had to work through all that, you know? And then my dad, he was strict Sikh. He was a Sikh and he's strict, okay? So I wasn't allowed out. I wasn't allowed out. Uh, he kept me in the family business. You're not allowed to do this. You go to school and you come home straight away and you work in the shop until 10, 10 p.m. Every, every night. And that's after school. Yeah, this was my life, okay? And then we moved up to here, Washington, in Newcastle, northeast of England. And I was put through the same shit again, you know? Uh, stood behind the tail. Uh, but the guys that were coming into the shop, the shop we had was like a bigger shop. And this is 1984. 1984, and they had never seen a Asian face, brown face in their lives. And the abuse we took was immense, right? 
It was immense, right? Daily, daily, I used to like wake up in the morning and just think I want to kill myself, right? But anyway, I didn't do that because I knew we had a shop to run. Uh, my mother was not there. She was in Huddersfield with my sister, my old man. Uh, took its toll on him, you know? Took its toll. Uh, he couldn't really handle it. But we took this abuse for years, yeah, from 15 to me being about 21, six years, six years of abuse, yeah. Uh, and then after that, I said, okay, now I'm going to go to work. So that's when I started a fight, I started a train, and uh, I wasn't like, that wasn't my mindset in the beginning, you know. My mindset was to be an artist, you know? I paint, uh, I paint, I draw, I'm an author, I'm not, you know, I'm not a gangster, you know? But this is what, like, I was forced into in a way, you know? Forced into this, yeah? Because uh, I had no other option, because the family was taking that much abuse, I had to make some moves, had to make some moves, so I went, okay, so I started a train, I started a fight, I started a box, um, and then I started to take, okay, shoplifters, come in the shop, yeah, okay? Before, if I was younger, I know they've stolen, but I know they're like harder than me, tougher than me, and there's a few of them. So I won't say nothing, you know? You know, but that made me feel bad, yeah? When you used to walk out of my shop with my products and I don't say nothing. So that's what made me do it. So after that, I took them all out. I took them all out. I followed them, I tracked them all down and I smashed everyone up. But that took me a few years. And then after that, uh, I turned to... Security work, security work, dormant, and I was working there. And then there was a demand for steroids. So I'm okay, I'll source this. I can source this. And so I sourced a bit, blah, blah, blah. Demand was massive. Demand was massive. This is the early the early nineties. Early nineties, demand was huge. So I put my brain together. I went the cheapest place to go in the world, Karachi. Nobody wants to work with that country, you know. Taliban, Al Qaeda, active. Yeah, nobody want, wants to go there. But everything in that country is so cheap. It's so cheap. So this is where I said, this is where I'm going. I priced goods, yeah? The steroids I was bringing over, Valium, tablets I was bringing over. I priced them all over the country, all over, all over the world. Pakistan, Karachi, cheapest place. Anyway, I went there. And it took me a while. It took me a while, yeah, to source the Main time, guys. Uh, we went to 
small time people first and they were going, listen, we can't supply the amount you want because I wanted um, 50,000 ampules, 50,000 ampules, yeah, on my first visit. They were costing me then uh, 30, 30 pence, 30 pence. Street value in England, £3.50. And but in bulk on a thousand, I sold for one forty. So the level was massive. But then I moved on to the pills, the pills I was doing. The markup on that was huge. For a thousand tablets, I was paying nine pounds, which is probably about five dollars in your part and I was getting street value here a thousand pound a thousand pound on the street 200 times more than what you were spending yeah brother and this is what I was doing people don't realize this yet there's like um, it's not all about the heroin it's not all about the, the, the coke yeah there's a lot of other things involved in this yeah but my mistake was this I was bringing them back through to England. The chief narcotics officer, the chief of police in Karachi paid off. Paid off. They told me, they, they knew about my trips. They said, you just pay me a hundred pound a suitcase and we will pass every case through, through the airport. He said, I don't care what's in it. It don't matter. But I will pass that through Bam. When I used to land at the airport, VIP, I don't know. I never stood anywhere. The chief narcotics officer used to walk me through, bypass every x-ray machine, every security, everything, boom. And all he wanted was, was a hundred pound of suitcase. But there was about five cases, yeah? Five cases. Uh, we were doing about quarter of a million tablets at a time. 250,000 uh, tablets at a time. Quarter of a million at a time, yeah. Quarter of a million, but they're costing me hardly nothing, but I was selling them for high amount. Yeah. So it was, was, it, was it pretty easy for you to buy guys out uh, with the, at the airport at Karachi? Yeah, easy, 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 easy. Dollar. All you got to show is the money and their work. Because the guys at the airports there, they only make, at the time, the top guys there, they're only making about three to four hundred pounds a month. So if you're taking bribes, you know, you're going to, you know, it's, you know, it's going to work. Gonna work. So did they did they want money from you? Did they want your product from you? I know one story is you gave them they money. Want money from me, yeah. They want money from you. Who yeah. who were the guys at the airport that wanted porn magazine from you? Like they wanted, you know, the, the guys, magazine. These are the guys, these are the guys who you meet initially. You know when you go initially, yeah? And they go, okay, open up your bags, yeah? Open up your bags. Oh, I run, okay. Open up our bags, yeah. Full of gear. It was a bit embarrassing, right? Okay. But there were some 
porn mugs we had there, right? Okay. And one of the, the, the guys goes, wow. And then, and, and then he had a look at it. He went, I've never seen a naked white woman in my life. I went, really? I went, take them mugs. Three there, yeah? Are you going to pass us? He goes, okay. <laughs> so they passed us, right? Three more mugs we had, right? We took six, yeah? There was three guys in a trip, two mugs. We bought each because we know Karachi. It's one of them areas, you know? It's not easy to get your Lego, you know? So, so we went, uh, right, well, let's go. And then next desk, x-ray, bam, x-rayed. Poor mugs again, bam, paid them off again. The first trip paid off porn mugs. But the second time around, they knew who we were and then they started asking for money. So, so the second time around, we had to pay them. And then the third time around, the chief narcotics officer, Karachi Airport, came to me and said, listen, you don't have to pay anybody. You just pay me one time, one time. I bypass everything for you. I go, okay. And that's how we worked it. How long did that operation last? That lasted for over a year. And what was your peak? What kind of money were you making per month? Right, brother, making, I was making on a trip, yeah, uh, 60,000 pounds on a trip. And how many trips were you taking every month? Right, I can't even, right, I can't tell you the exact number, okay? <laughs> right? <laughs> but it happened. Six weekly or something, yeah. They they knew I was coming. Boom. It was a regular occurrence, yeah. Uh there was a lot of money rolling for, for everybody here. Everybody. And trips I done, but Interpol were on my case. Out of everything you sold, Valium, you know, steroids, what, what was the most profitable for you? Valium. Valium. Most profitable because it was easy with the tablets. Diazepam, right. How we did this, yeah, we packed this in tubs of vitamin B12. Repacked them. Um, I lost a load in Newcastle Airport in England, so I had to uh, divert my operation. So I thought, right, okay, we get flights to Spain, Barcelona, Barcelona, to Karachi, Karachi, to Alicante, Alicante to England. But what happened, uh, Interpol following all my tracks, and I got arrested at Alicante Airport. And then how long, what happened there? Did you go do time? Time, yeah, time, yeah, they... They gave me a hard time, you know. Took everything off me, you know. Uh, any rings, jewelry, this, that. The Spanish police took everything off me. Took everything off me. Uh, mules I had with me as well, yeah? Okay? Mules I was using and to carry cases. They tried to get them to give evidence against me, to get evidence against me, and they did. And they did at the beginning. 
But the thing was this, yeah, in Spain, it don't work like that, yeah? If you give evidence against somebody, you still get the same sentence. You don't get no walk-by. No. There ain't no walk-bys in Spain. No welfare system, no walk-by, no nothing. You can speak, but you expect what you're going to get. So in Spain, how much time did you, is that when you did six and a half years for prostitution and other things? Or well, no? no, 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 no. In Spain, I got, right, okay, uh, 10 years, uh, 10 years. That's what they said to me first. All right, no. I went, no, I ain't taking 10 years. Because what they did was this, yeah? Diazepam contains 10 milligrams of a drug, okay? Class A drug. I had a quarter of a million tablets of that. So they said you have 2.5 kilo of class A drug. I didn't know this. Valium in England, class C, you know? But in Spain, it's only class A, class B. In Spain, it works like this. Marijuana, cannabis, class B. Everything else, class A. So I had saw, then I had this headache. Yeah, they're going, right, you're, you're going to get this. And it's only until I could speak Spanish in jail, until I could learn Spanish, I spoke to the head guys there. Cate, I was stuck in. 40 heads there. A third of them had AIDS. All killers. Uh, a third of them had AIDS? AIDS. A third of them. A third mm. of the AIDS. A third of the jail has AIDS because right Spain works like this sentencing yeah if you do a burglary okay in England I don't know about America but in England burglary if you do 10 burglaries yeah you get one year two year one year two year one year it runs consec in Spain, concurrent, so they add them all up. So you can just rob a few houses and you end up with 20 years on your head. 20 years on your head. And when you go jail, no welfare system, you don't get no money sent in. The share needles, sharing needles, you know, uh, and they're all just, you all get AIDS, baby. Almost wow. So you go there, you learn Spanish, you talk to the big guys, then what happens? Right. I'm talking big guys. Big guys, Peru, Venezuela, uh, Sao Paulo. They were, they were in there for 160 key of cocaine, blah, 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 from there to Spain. I spoke Spanish, and they hooked me up with a bent lawyer. A bent lawyer that knows judges. They went, you have to pay. I went, listen, you pay them, you pay this. And they hooked me up with a lawyer. My first lawyer was shit. He was shit, yeah. Promised me this, promised me that. I didn't get anything, yeah. So then these guys said, listen, you're wasting your time with, with this guy, yeah. Deal with our man. He was called Arman. Arman. Uh, 
I forget the second name. I don't even want to mention it. But anyway, he sorted it all out. Judges, he knew and he said, my charges are this amount. I need 10 grand to pay off the judge and you will get half the amount. You're, you're looking at nine if you go guilty on this. I'm like, right, okay. So if I pay 10, four and a half, I'm like, right. And that's where I got. So uh, did that influence you to get out or you're still, you maybe you learned some of your habits, you got out and you, back, you got back into the life again? Right, because then I thought I was invincible, right? Because there in Spain, uh, I didn't know the language. I didn't know anything, but I fought everybody. I fought everybody, even people with AIDS. My hands full of cuts from fights with people from AIDS. When I left jail, I thought I had AIDS, you know? Two Two tests I had just to prove I didn't have AIDS. And then I, I was so shocked I never had AIDS because I'm hurting them. They're hurting me. They're, their blood's on me. Mine's on them, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I thought I had AIDS, yeah, but no. But no, I'm clean. Uh, so then I thought I was uh, King fucking Kong. And I joined a firm in... Kate said, and we were controlling prostitution and enforcing areas. 14 areas. Enforcing, enforce. Enforcing, and that's in Spain? No, England. England. How, how, uh... England. because I wasn't allowed the uh, conditions of my sentence from Spain, four and a half years, I'm not allowed to enter Spain for. 10 years. Got it. 10 years. Yes. So I went, okay. So I came to England and I hooked up with a firm there. And we were dealing with prostitution, drugs, and extortion. You say firm as if it's like a, you know, major company. Well, it's a gang, yeah. It's a gang, yeah. Okay. Got it. With the gang over there. Okay. And how yeah. profitable was that? How, how good were you doing with that? Profitable? No, very well. Yeah. It was only my personal sales and my drugs. That got me my money. Um, as for working for the gang, nothing. No, no, not really. But it, but it was enjoyable at times. Kidnapping people, taking people away. It was all, it's all, uh, I don't know, yeah. At that period in my life, I was just like high every day. There was 21 police officers watching me alone. Halogen 5, the operation was called. It cost them 5.5 million to bring us to court. Uh, we were notorious. Uh, there was nobody in the, in the north of England who could handle us because we did what we wanted. I could speed, drive drunk, drive this, drive that, and the police was told, do not stop him. He's not allowed to be stopped. Who told the police that? Well, that's the crime team north. Crime team north, because they had a big operation down us. So they just said, let him do what he wants, hang himself more. 
that's what happened. You were free. But I was free for, for about a year. For about a year. And, and then, then how I got you. Right. How did they get me? Follow me because I was high and I had a quarter of a kilo cocaine in my glove compartment. Uh, the police tested it and it came back 84% proof. They said they have never seen cocaine that high proof in England because we were getting it straight from Venezuela to the coast. I can't mention who and where, yeah? But I got caught with that and uh, jail I got on that and then it all came on top on the prostitution. But their prostitution was all good. The girls came to court. And they said, these guys, are, these guys are looking after us, you know? And without them, we don't have nobody now, you know? People are free to just come and rape them, tax them, do what they want. What we did, I'll tell you now, yeah, we just charged them £60 a day. £60 a day, we paid for the rent of the accommodation, the apartment, full security, all the heating, everything, two girls in each flat. If any girl, any drama, any problem, there was a team of us, the phoners, and we're there straight away and we drag them out and we mash them. And it never happens again. So they spell You can't rape our girls, you know? You can't rape our girls. You can't harm them. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so eventually, when did you decide to change your life? At what point did you say, I'm not going to live this life anymore? Right. That was when my second sentence happened. Okay. Uh, they caught up with me and all this bullshit. Um, in jail, six and a half years I was looking at then, yeah? Okay. Um, that's what I got. And uh, after, I'll tell you the truth. Two months of that, I thought, right, that's me done. That's me done. So I did every course in jail, every course possible, tried to be a good boy, tried to be. <laughs> Sometimes you, you can't, yeah, yeah, you know, you can't inside. Uh, but I was the only Cat D prisoner in my jail where you can leave that's your end of your sentence. You can, like, stay out for two to three hours, blah, 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 to mingle you back in the society. I was the only one not allowed. Not not allowed. Because they said I was a uh, danger. You were danger. So, so Chet... I don't uh, know why I'm a danger. I'm all right. Chet, uh, 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 when is the last time you got arrested or you got in trouble? Okay, it was over. It was over an event. My cousin, my cousin, I got arrested. Community service, I got on that uh, because you owed me a hundred grand. I ain't gonna mention the names, yeah, but I pulled in a million pound for him in debt. I pulled in over a million pound, going all over the country, staying in hotels, paying night costs. I pulled in a million pound. And I gave it him, and he didn't pay me because 
I was pissed one night and I told him I fucked his wife. Right. I never fucked his wife, right? <laughs> you know, you didn't. This happens, bro, bro, this happens, yeah? This is why I didn't get paid my whole degree. This is, why, this is why I get paid, yeah? So this is why I went around with fucking shop and I went, listen, where's my fucking dollar, baby? Yeah? And he's going, uh, his wife was there. She abused me. I said, listen, I ain't here to talk to you. I don't want to talk to your husband, yeah? I need to talk to the man here. Anyway, she called the feds. Got me arrested. And that was that. How long ago was that? Two years. Two years ago. So, so years. let me let me ask you, Chad. Uh, uh, Indians aren't typically known as being gangsters, tough guy. I mean, of course, Dawood Ibrahim. I've heard the name before. There's a few names, but the Indian community has been, uh, for the most part, very peaceful. Not heard of. Not heard of. No. When all that type of people know, they're hard workers, they work, you know, they're hard working. This is why uh, Indian people don't have a lot, of, they don't have no respect for me. I don't get no calls from any, from any Indian people, uh, not from India, not from anybody, because they see me as a bit of a down, you know, um, Shame on them, because they're worse than me, you know? I've got stories on Indian people, disgusting. The superstars, Bollywood stars, yeah? What they do, I, I know them. The stories I have on them are immense. Immense. Pedophilia. You ain't got to look in here, baby. They take people out, take them, take them on the boat. In the sea, boom. Fishes. End of story. It's a fucking ongoing thing there. Because there's that many children that get abducted in India and raped and fucked around by all these superstars. I know it all. When I can bring this to light, I will. Yeah? Fuck them. Fuck India. India can suck my fucking dick. Well, you, you know that? Somebody, how, yeah, somebody, yeah? how do yeah. you know that, Chet? How do you know that? Because I know it. I have proof of the... Indian stars there. I've seen life there. I've been there 11 times. I know people there. I know stars there. I know people who have starred in films, Bollywood, film stars. I know what they do. I know what they do. I know what they do, man. Disgusting. They all do it everywhere, you know? This is like, uh, it's not only like here or there. It happens in every country, you know? Happens in every country. You name any country, it happens. It happens. Because you have people with stupid dollar, and that's what they want. It's a shame, but I will name. I will name. You're, you have animosity towards them. Why is that? Because I don't like... Um, because I seem to think, yeah, the Sikh community, yeah, Punjab, India, this and that, they make out their Bollywood, they're billionaires, 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 yet they see kids on the street and they don't give them a penny, you know? They could do a lot to help, but they don't do nothing. India is all about, like, 
we are there, you're there. There's nobody in the middle. There's nobody in the middle in India. You either got it or you haven't got it. And they're really bad. I go there, I help orphanages. Let me tell you a story about an orphanage I help here, yeah? okay? Um, I haven't had the chance to go there for the last three to four years. What happens is this, yeah? If you get, if you get out of a girl, if you have a girl, yeah, she's going to be a hindrance. She's a hindrance because you have to marry her off dowry. It's bad. It's hard work. It's hard work. So what they do, there's like a ATM machine. You drop off the baby. You ring this bell. And the woman I know comes, takes the baby. And she will care for it. And I pay for these people, yeah? Okay? I, uh, I get money, collect money, donations. And she says... Sometimes the mothers come back and say, okay, I made a mistake, you know. I shouldn't have left my baby here. But she goes, no, you can't have the baby back. Go away. Go away. But, uh, but like, it's all girls. It's all girls, orphanage. What do they do with the girls? They try to take care. We try to uh, get them schooling money money for clothing, take care of them, make sure no pedophiles go there. It's not easy. It's not easy in India. India's a horrible place. India's a horrible place. It's a horrible place. People go on about fucking Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, India's worse. India's worse. India's worse. Afghanistan. India's worse. India is worse. Karachi, I've been 11 times. It's better than what I've seen in India. So these celebrities that you talk about, you're saying they're doing worse than what you did. You yeah. personally witnessed it or somebody told you of what happened? Right. Not personal witness, but I do know people who have worked in that industry and they have told me themselves, because I ain't going to get invited there. They ain't going to, you know, you know, I ain't, ain't going to get an invite there. They hate me in that industry. Indians hate me. They hate me because they know I will speak. I will speak my mind. I'm not like the, the, the rest of them. Keep their mouth shut, you know. I ain't like, the, you know, I ain't like that lot. I will say it. I will say it. And, and these are famous celebrities, like uh, the Bollywood yes. celebrities? top level. Top level, brother. Top level. All of them. Um, Same as America. You know what, like, uh, people have been named here. Tom Hanks, blah, 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 so-and-so. All these. It's the same in India. It's the same lot. It's the same file. They're all the same. But in India... It's a four. It's like tight. You cannot speak in India. You cannot speak because that circle is tight. Is there is there a lot of uh, uh, mobsters and gangsters and, and uh... no? There's no mobsters and gangsters. Yeah, police, police. There ain't no mafia or mobsters in India. The police. If you want somebody killed, 
personal story. I've got, I wanted somebody done, yeah, okay? I had to go to the police to get him killed. And they do it. You, you pay them. It's all safe and sound. Chef, question for you. Uh, how, how old are you? I'm trying to do the math. 1984. For, 53. Uh, 53 years old. What, what month are you born? What month? Uh, what, what 31st of August, 1968. Say that again? 31st of August, 1968. Well, happy birthday to you. You had a birthday last week. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, brother. So, so uh, question for you. I'm watching you. I'm, I'm listening to you. I see your energy. Um, but at the same time, you didn't start fighting till you were 21. Yeah. Up until 21, you were a regular kid like the rest of us. Your, your dad worked you very hard. You'd come back home from school. You'd work till 10 o'clock at night. Your yeah. dad was a strict Sikh. Is yeah. who he was. Uh -huh. Went with your dad and you worked your mom to carry your sister. When, what, what one or two events caused this animosity in you to want to take a different direction in life? If you, right, okay. like, for okay. example. Okay, okay, yes. Good question. We were getting that much abuse of the white guys, yeah? There was like uh, three or four of them, right? Okay. They used to come in and they used to abuse us daily. Spit on us, call us packies. Black bastards, fucking cunts, smash the windows of our car, smash the windows of our shop. Uh, violence, daily basis. Try to burn, try to burn my house down, family's house down. Yeah. So then I thought, right, okay. Then, uh, then I couldn't even have a fight. But I was 18 years old, and I had a van. I used to drive the van hoping I would see them on the road and I would take them fucking clean out. I would run them clean over, baby. I would take you clean out on the road. This was the mood I was in. So now, so now do you get it? Yeah. The hatred I had, I want to kill them. And now I can't find them. I can't find them because one's in the mental hospital, jail, the other one, and the other one fucked off to answer them. They're terrified of me because I'm going to fucking hang them upside down when I see them. But they can't. But they, where are they? Where are they? 18 years old. I was 18, yeah. Were you, were you at that time doing any drugs or no at 18? Zero, baby. I was just stuck in the shop. The first time I kissed a girl, 21 years old. I, was, I wasn't allowed out of the house. My dad was that strict. And the first girl I kissed, I married. Get out of here. Tell you the truth, brother. Wow. 21 years old. Shit. My life was hard work. Yeah, listen, it was hard work. Yeah. Childhood, hard work as well. Stutter I had. Oh, you know, I, I wasn't intelligent. Uh, just hard, hard, hard. And then I just thought, when these... When these lot were coming in, more torment, more torment on, on top of the torment I've already got. Then I'm going to kill you. Then I'll kill you. So, they're, they're, so, so if I was friends with you at 10 years old, you're my cousin, 12 years old, I wouldn't have witnessed the anger side in you. No, no.
No. So what was it the fact that they spit on you or disrespected you? Or was it the fact that they were disrespecting you? My brother, my brother, they disrespected my mother. They, they, they disrespected my mom. She could speak English, yeah? Uh, Stutter I had. People used to come with the tail going, oh, who's that? I've never seen that before. And then somebody in the queue of the shop would say, oh, it's a packy. And they oh. And then, the, 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 and then the whole queue in the tail of the shop would laugh. So I would be a laughing stock. Laughing stock. I ain't no laughing stock now, baby. Because I took them all out. I carried them all out. I've took them all away. And the ones I want are fucking run off. That's why it's took. It's not been easy. It's been bullets. It's been bullshit. No, I get that. I, I understand. Yeah. Like the, you know, where where the rage was born. Yeah, there, there, there. When I was eighteen. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That was my years. They were my years of just taking shit, taking shit, taking shit. Was it taking. gradual? Was it was it overnight or was it gradual development? Oh, gradual every day, brother. Every day. I didn't want to wake up in the morning. I had to work in a shop from 8 a.m. till 8 on a night, seven days a week. I had no life. I had nothing. Uh my old man, even, right, he couldn't handle it, right, okay? He was on the, you know, he used to have a drink on that, right, okay? Um, at the time, it was just me and my dad that used to live in the house. I, I had to clean, cook, wash, make the food. My dad used to go out, get drunk, come back, give me a hiding as well, yeah? Give me a hiding on top of the shit I'm taking. So what do you think I'm going to be? I had enough. Is your, is your mom and dad still around? Yeah. Any yeah. siblings? Any siblings? Y yes, brother. Not your sister. sister. I know your sister's yeah. with your mom. Any other brothers or no? Brother, I have a brother, yeah. Was he there with you when you guys were running the store? And the no, store? nobody, nobody, right. My brother is gay, right? He's gay. He fucked off being a Sikh boy, being gay, and then, back then in the 80s, unheard of, unheard of. Uh, the torment I got, even of that alone, so he went to Manchester. Yeah. University, uh, because he knew he had to go there, yeah. Because, um, it was obvious he was gay, my family couldn't really handle it, and but I took all that shit as well, you know. My dad took all that on me, saying my other son's gay, so when he had a fucking drink, I get it. Did you ever get into a fight with your dad? Like, did you ever react or no? Yes, I did. I fucked him up once, yeah. He never hit me again. I fucked him up. 
Yeah, fucked him up. How, how old were you when that happened? 19. Are you, you, you still talk to your mom and your dad? Yeah, sure. How is the relationship now? It's okay, but my dad knows he was a motherfucker, you know? But my mom, excellent, you know? My mom bought me up. Uh, my old man, my old man, you know, you know what it is. Your old man's your old man, you know? Your old man's your old man. I don't know. Why he did to me, whatever, but I ain't happy about it, you know? I don't do that. My son, uh, but he did that to me, but I think he had a lot in his head as well, yeah? Uh, through all the shit that was going down, I think he took it all out of me, and that's what made me the. That's what made me who I am now. How do you manage your rage and anger right now? Easily. Uh, well, not easily. Sorry. Someone's I can just go up and down, instantly, instantly. I can like be happy, and then I can just go mental. Easily. You know, I think about when I interviewed Sammy Gravano or I interviewed uh, Frank Collada or I interview uh, uh, some of these guys, I always ask the question, was there ever a point where you could have gone straight where you wouldn't have the rage that you have? You know, was there ever a moment? But uh, you can't describe what it is for a boy or a kid to grow up in an environment like that, the effects of it, you know? Well, no. Yeah. No. How can you go straight? <laughs> How can you, you know? How, how, how? I would love somebody to explain to me. I want, you know me, I was an artist, yeah? At school, I was an artist. Uh, I failed at math, English, all that bullshit. But art, I was good at, okay? I could paint. And I told my dad, I wanted to, okay, I want to go to art school. And he says, fuck that. He went, are you kidding me? So he stopped me behind the till of a shop. He went, fuck art. He went, that's not a fucking, that don't count. It's not being a doctor or a dentist or an accountant. You don't get it. You don't get it. Was your dad a tough guy like you too? Like a big guy or no? No, no, pussy. Pussy. Watch out with every fucking bullshit I've fucking seen. Pussy. You know what? It's me that dealt with everything. He used to run. He used to run from encounters. Run. I ain't bigging anybody up here, yeah? I'm telling people how it fucking is. It's my mom who backed me up. It's my mom. When I said to my mother, yeah, when I got arrested, when I had this, when I had that, I ain't gonna say what needs to get uh, buried or dug up. But my mom did it. My mom did it. My mom buried and dug up. My dad didn't. My dad knew of it at one time and he threw my shit in the fucking river. Um, if the situations were flipped, yeah. how do you prevent any of this stuff? Like, you know, like, you know, listen, 
the last thing I want to do is I don't want you to go back and think about what if you did this? What if you I'm not I'm not doing that. All I'm doing is I grew up in Iran. I saw a lot of shit when I lived in Iran 10 years. I lived at a refugee camp in Germany two years. You know, I'm in Germany. I'm from Iran. So everybody would call you a bunch of stuff. You know, hey, you're this. Hey, you're that. You're a terrorist. All these things that they would call you. Yeah, and you're yeah. coming to the state. But that produces a lot of rage as a kid. Yeah. You know, when somebody calls you something you're not over and over and over again, there's got yes. to be some sort of a rage. Uh, is it more you think on the individual? Is it more the circumstances? Is it more how you handle it? What, what would you say? I think it's like sort of uh, people have this rage now. It, like it's in the heads now, you know? Racism. Racism in the 70s, well, obviously, 70s, 80s, rife, rife, mad. 90s, calm down. 2000s, calm down. But now, I think it's at a level where it's the worst I've ever seen. Racism now, it's a level, it's a worse, it's, you know, it's really bad. But now, people can't show it. People can't show it. Back in the day, it was okay to walk into my shop, call me a packy, spit on me, yeah, do that. I could call the police and the police say, that is not an offence, you know, that is not a legal offence. So, okay, fair enough. So, spot on, getting abused, getting called a packy, black cunt, blah, 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 whatever. It's not an offence. It is an offence now. It's an offence now. But back then it wasn't, you know? And this is what angers me. Why why was it not an offense back then? Yeah, I don't have the answer to that. You know? Yeah, I know exactly. Because of the British government. The British government. The British government are bastards anyway. They're bastards. They are the worst people in the world, I think. I hate them. The Queen, her family, pedophiles, all of them anyway. Uh, they're all pedophilia linked. The lot of them. Who do you they trust? Chet, who do you trust? My mom. Because she's the one that dug up, buried. Nobody else has done that for me. Is that, is, that why, is that why you're trying to clean up your life? No, my life is clean, you know. Uh, my life is clean. You know, I want it clean. You know, I'm sick of that life. I hate it. You know, it's a horrible life. It's all pain. It's just pain. There's never a good day in that life. If you wake up in the morning, you know what you got to do. It's not a nice life. Uh, people seem to think they watch films it's like this it's like, no it's not like that at all man it's it's terrible man it's terrible it's terrible terrible but sometimes you do it and you gotta do it and then you do it how do you make your money right now 
through uh, Alpha, my company, CBD oil, um, a cure, right, it prevents you from getting cancer cells. Um, our bodies are built with a cannabinoid system built in. We don't have an opiate or an ibuprofen, yeah? So if you take tablets, it's only like um, temporary. But our bodies have cannabinoid systems. So when you take this, it will cure everything, every ailment you have in your body. Every ailment, it will cure you. Mike Tyson, he knows all about this. He does, he does exactly the, the, the same thing as me. Exactly the same thing as me. Well, Chet, you know, it's uh, uh, when I hear stories like this, uh, all I think about is where there could have been a turning point because, you know, uh, uh, that rage is a real late rage. You know, there, there's, yeah, gotta, yeah. it's not a fake rage. You know, when you're talking, you're not acting, you're talking. Uh, and then at the same time, if somebody's already gone through the phase that you've gone through, what do you do to calm the nerves down for it to not happen again? Because it looks like if you were to see any of those guys that would come to your restaurant, come to your uh, store, and they were spitting on you and calling you packy and all this other stuff, I think if you were to see them again today, I think you would still want to destroy them today. Oh, I will. I will take them clean away. That's why when they see me, they'll run. They'll run. I see people now in my area, they see my face, and I see them turn their backs and run. Because they used to abuse me and my mom and my dad back in the day. And now they realize, oh, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Let them run. But I won't do nothing to them. Yeah, let them fucking run. They're pussies, man. They're pussies. They, they picked on the child. I was 15 years old. There was 30-odd-year-old men, you know, drunk. And just abusing me, just taking a piss out of me. You know, uh, it was hard work, man. It wasn't fair. It was never fair. It's never fair. So if they say it's not fair now, who cares? Who cares? Chad, your kids, how, how old are your kids? <sighs> right. They go from 32 to 23. I got four. And, and how are they doing? I'd rather not speak about them, yeah, if you don't mind. Uh, but my youngest one, I will speak about. He went to a uh, private school, and he's the only one I see, okay? The other three are by my ex-wife. She joined the police force, joined the police force, and tried to make my life, tried to make my life a misery. Uh, she turned all the kids against me, so I will only talk about my youngest son, my younger son uh, went to private school for his A plus, did a degree in master's degree, ancient history. So now he's getting a job in parliament, parliament in England. So my son's in parliament. <laughs> you know, it's quite weird, yeah? <laughs> but, um, that's great. That's great. Good. For yeah. You. How, yeah. Do you, how do you 
do, do you do you find yourself having a lot of people in your life trying to fix you? Like they, you, 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 do you find people trying to be like, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should no. do it. No. no. Okay. No, no, so no, no. How do you find your peace? How do you find your peace? What do you, what source brings you peace? I know you said mom, but how do you, because yeah. you're obviously from looking at you, I feel the rage. Your eyes have fire in them. Okay. You're, yeah. you're, you're the kind of guy that you shouldn't drink coffee. Steroids is probably not good for you. You definitely no. ought to stay from cocaine. You definitely ought to no. stay any, any kind no. of higher, you know, like you, energy drinks is not a good for you. How do you go to no. peace place yourself? I don't get peace, brother. I got it. I don't get peace for that. Uh, peace. Company, if I have, if they're good, if they can take my mind off it. Yeah. If you don't take my mind off it, and then no. It's like that. It's like that. I just go around and around. Have you ever have you ever had a steady therapist or somebody that you sat down with on a weekly basis or no? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, you but, like all, that work? but all they do is listen to what you're saying. You know, yeah. they don't actually say anything back to you, <laughs> and then they say you're fine. You're, you're like fine. I go right. What was the whole point of that? I don't get it. They're getting paid. A lot of money, but um, I think a lot of these people are scared of me as well, you know, to take me on as a patient because they know my history. Uh, it's hard to get help. Hard to, you know, it's hard work. It's hard work. You ever, you ever gone uh, uh, and spent time with other guys like you who lived a rough life and were tough guys as well? And where they found a way to get peace for them to share with you how they changed their lives. Do you have any people like that you go to or no? No. Okay. No. I have met um, a few people. They've been in jail years and years. They've killed people and killed people for the IRA and killed people. Paid killers, yeah. Um, we're all... We're all the we're all the same, man. We're all the same. We're all we might talk it, you know. We might talk it and make out we're all good, but really, still all there, you know. It's still all there. It's hard work. I'm just telling you the truth, not bullshit, not what some uh, uh, psychiatrist has told. To say to somebody this and that, no, we're all we're all fucked, man. Yeah, put some light on. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I don't get a feel that you're uh, being manipulative or you're lying or you're playing games. I feel I feel you're you. Like I don't think you're acting. You know, I I interviewed people that I feel like they're being fake and they're acting. I'm like, okay, this guy's just acting. Yeah. I don't get that feeling at all from you. I get the vibe from you that, well, sorry, you know, you're you and you're not, uh, you probably said some things that you probably shouldn't have even said, but you said it. You're not. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. But, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I don't know if I would throw in the towel that 
uh, a person like you could uh, uh, change. You know, I know a lot of people that picked up certain sources that worked on them and gradually it's not an overnight process. You know, everybody, everybody sings in a different way. You know, some people sing yeah. is a complete different than yours, but I've seen yeah. some crazy people change. I've yeah, seen- I know. Yeah, I know. I, you know me, I hope that can happen. It's not happening yet. There's got to be an effort from you, though. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen external. I don't think. I don't. If, if the personality, like, like, let's just say, I wish you were sitting in my office where you, you and I can just have a conversation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A personality like you, no one can change you. No one can tell you what to do. Nobody. Yeah. Okay? yeah. Nobody can. There's only yeah. one person that can uh, 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 change the way you view things. Only one person can do that for a guy like you. Only. You know, and, and, and that starts within you, man. That doesn't start with anybody else. Because when I watch you, again, I may be completely wrong. I, I see the 10-year-old kid. I see the 16-year-old. I see the 21-year-old that says, if you touch me, I'm going to destroy you. I see the 30-year-old. I see the son trying to protect his mom. I see the son trying to defend off his dad. Yeah. I see all of that combined together. I see all of that when I'm talking to you. And it's felt. When I see that and brother, I, I, uh, I hope you, because you guys still got a lot of living to do. Man. It's not like you're 78, bro. You're 53. You got a lot of living to do. Dude, you probably got 30 more years to live. I mean, you know, it's not, you haven't even lived two thirds of your life yet, which means, you know, the kids, you know, the, the grandkids, the, uh, potential ways of changing, making a decision to say, I'm going to go on a 10 year run to really figure myself out. You got a lot of living to do. And if you do that, who knows, maybe you'll become an example to other people that are in a similar situation like you, because you have true rage in you. You have real rage and pain in you. You do. And I don't think that's going to leave you in, you know, a two week thing or one week thing or one month thing. I think, I think you, you, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, if you made an effort in it, it starts with you. Don't don't think it's over yet, man. You're 53 years old. How old, how old man? How old? Yeah, you're 53 years old, and I, it's crazy. I had nothing to expect on how this interview was going to go. My spirit feels you right now. I totally feel this interview right now. Like you know, I, I thought it was just going to be a story. 30 minutes, we're off, we're moving, and I'm still on with you. I'm gonna pray for you, man. I'm gonna do from from my end. I want to encourage you to figure out a way to want to do something. Uh, you know, wilder things have happened where people decided to change. Wilder, you know, remember the man upstairs rarely uses normal people. He just doesn't. The man upstairs doesn't use normal people. I don't know why he doesn't like normal people to use as a way, because I guess normal people, everybody will say, well, we always knew you were going to do what we always knew you can, you can, he likes to use people that say, oh, Chet's never going to change. It's Chet. Are you kidding me? He's never going to change. He's never going to change. He's never going to change. And somehow someone uses a guy like you. But uh, I really enjoy talking to you, man. I really enjoy talking to you. I felt the spirit. You know I appreciate- it's been cool, man. You're excellent. Interview-wise, top level. Top level, you. Top level. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And uh, love to hear some news from you 6, 12, 24 months from now. Okay. If you want me again, let me know. It definitely will. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate your time. Take care, buddy.
All the best. God bless. So I have one question for you. We're talking off camera here. Do you think a person like Chet can change? Do you think he can change? At 53 years old, August 31st, 1968 when he was born, he lived the life that he lived, can he change? If he can't change, put thumbs up. If you don't think he can change, put thumbs down. Comment below saying there's a 1% chance he can change, 2% chance, 5% chance. I wanna hear your thoughts, I have my own opinions. And then if you enjoyed this interview, there's other two other interviews I want you to watch. One of them is with Sean Atwood, also from UK who was selling ecstasy in uh, Arizona, going up against Sammy, the Volcarvano. And the other one is Killer Dave, who did time, got out of jail, started his own bread company, and it took off. And eventually they sold the company, I think, for a few hundred million dollars. And uh, he ended up eventually changing his life. Having said that, have a great day, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.